Coming up on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder, we have a mailbag edition. We're answering your questions. You've sent in quite a few. We've got some good ones today talking about taxes. We're talking about business owners. we got a lot we're going through today on the show, plus a farm update from Phil. That's coming up next. In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, thank you for being inside the Retirement Pathfinder. We appreciate you joining us here on another edition of the podcast, the first for 2024. Looking forward to a good show today and looking forward to getting more questions from people. I know you both, Barbara and Phil, appreciate the feedback and always love hearing from folks. Yeah. yeah. In fact, happy, happy new year to you, Ben. Yes. Happy, happy new, year new year for all of our listeners. Yes. Absolutely. Thank year, you for indeed. joining us. Well, we can't start off a new year, Phil, without a farm update. So hopefully you have some good news for us. Well, actually it did end up becoming good news. Yeah, and, and the topic I want to cover here real quick is dealing with one of the most dangerous tasks you can do on the farm. And that is cutting down trees. Ooh. And I think we all know how dangerous that can be, right? I, I've heard of people that have been seriously injured or even killed by not doing that correctly. And so I've done this over the years. And of course, I kind of uh, fancy myself kind of a, an amateur lumberjack nowadays. <laughs> and so I was cutting down some big old poplar trees that had died. They only last about 20 years. And and um, there were a number of them along the lane here, right up close to the barn. And so I was cutting them down uh, just recently. And uh I, one the one of the bigger ones that was close to the barn, I cut properly, but guess what happened? The wind came up, mm. and the wind started blowing that particular tree against the cut, and uh, got a little panicky there for a second. But I was able to uh, basically take a wedge and put it into the uh, the barn side to keep it from falling on the barn, and of course, uh, had to try to figure out how I was going to make that thing fall the correct direction. And I was able to do that, and. I cut a, a cut a notch higher on the uh, the the uh, barn side, and it fell correctly. It fell the uh, away from the barn the way it should have. But you know, it's it's really a very dangerous thing. Things can happen uh, against uh, your your uh, your safety that uh, you have to be very aware of. Uh, got a couple of pieces of advice for our clients if they're thinking about doing some tree cutting, and I know some of our clients do this. Uh, you know, you always want to have a partner there who can help you out uh, if you happen to get yeah. in trouble by yourself, you know, that can be a real bad situation. Also wear all the appropriate equipment such as chaps, you know, for the chainsaws and also helmet and goggles to protect you against falling objects or chips and things of that nature. So, so be aware and be safe out there if you're doing some of this type of uh, wood cutting. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's like, you can't, you can't underestimate the life of a true farmer, can you? Oh, I, I tell you what, I've, uh, I knew one, one farmer that in the neighborhood died, the tree wow. fell on him and a Another one who was paralyzed for life. And these were very experienced farmers. Uh, mm. Things just happened to go the wrong direction and mm -hmm. couldn't get out of the way fast enough. So, yeah. yeah, be aware of it. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I guess that's why it, it, they charge so much to you know have someone come out of tree service to the trim trees and cut them down for you. Because yes. This would yeah. Us. If you're if you're thinking about uh, having a tree cut down and you've not done it before <laughs> and it's on your property close to your house, you're better off uh, paying the extra dollars to have it done professionally. Yep. Absolutely. Sure. And that is one expense I don't think most people realize until they have somebody come out and give them an estimate. It's it definitely surprised. Sticker shock hit me as soon mm-hmm. as they, they they quoted me some prices. <laughs> it is not yep. cheap, but it does protect you. So that's important. All right. Well, let's jump into today's episode. As always, if you haven't joined us, thank you for being here. Please subscribe to the show if you have not done that yet. We appreciate your support there. And if you have questions for Barbara and Phil of your own, as we go through today's mailbag, you can always schedule a meeting with them by going to pathfinderchat.com. Again, pathfinderchat.com. You can find a time on the calendar that works for you. All right. Let's start off with a question from Dan today. He says, I've always donated to several charities at the end of each year, but since the tax laws changed a few years ago, it seems that it didn't benefit me from a a tax standpoint. Am I missing something here or does it not really help me in my taxes anymore? And yes, I realize there are other reasons to give to charity other than tax breaks. What do you think about this? Yeah, well, Dan, you have another opportunity from a tax saving standpoint to still contribute to your charities, but you have to be age 70 and have to do it. You're right in that since 2018, with double the standard deduction, most Americans are not even filing Schedule A. I don't know your age, Dan, but once you turn 70 and a half, you're able to contribute to those charities. And as long as it's done the right way, those amounts are subtracted from your income. They're called qualified charitable donations. Uh, They're a direct reduction in income from your IRA account, and you can do this with up to $100,000. Your IRAs are fully taxable when the money is withdrawn, and money and uh, many will take their required minimum distributions, which this year begins at age 73, and contribute to their charities that way. Uh, but again, that's 73 for required minimum distributions, but qualified charitable donations can begin at the age of 70 and a half. A tax credit is almost always more beneficial than a tax reduction because it's a deduction from the taxes that you owe. So reach out to us to ensure that this is done properly because not all charities are considered qualified either. So uh, you can reach out to us for a 15-minute phone call at pathfinderchat.com. Yeah, I love the QCD, Barb. It's one of those things that uh, can benefit people. You know, even if you can't deduct uh, your charitable contributions on using your standard deduction any longer because it's been increased, you can benefit by it by using the QCD. And that's one of the things that a lot of people are not aware of. Yeah, we've got quite a few clients that are doing that, actually. And then uh, we've had a number come to our office that have uh, that are well over the age of 70 and a half that weren't aware of that. Right. Great question. Dan, we appreciate that from you. We've got one here from Ben. He says, I own my own business and probably reinvest too much into the business instead of saving for my own retirement. How much do you think I should be saving every year? Oh, I love Ben. Yeah. Uh, he's he's my kind of my kind of <laughs> buddy here. Uh <laughs> You know, I don't know him personally, but I want all our listeners to know how much I, I have of utmost respect for him. Uh, this has been my 43rd year in in our in my own company, and it has been one of the most rewarding, satisfying, and fulfilling jobs I've ever had. But saying that, I can also say it has been one of the most demanding, exhausting, and challenging mm-hmm. things I've ever done, Barb. And I know you've been in business that way, too, over yeah. the years. So you got to think of... Uh, being a business owner this way, he is like an artist standing in front of a, a blank canvas on an easel, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, he's got paintbrush in hand and he's ready to go. But it's up to him to figure out what he wants to paint. Nobody's going to tell him 
what to paint or how to do it. He doesn't even know what his finished painting is going to look like. But, you know, there he is. He's standing there. He's putting brush to color and canvas using his creativity and imagination. And boy, it, it takes a lot of creativity and imagination to do uh, to be a business owner. And also consider this, you know, there's a, a huge price to pay, you know, that Ben is involved with here for being one's own boss and running a company. You know, you say, well, gosh, these guys make, you know, make lots of money. They run their company and, uh, you know, they've got it easy. Well, <laughs> so. you got to realize that there are employees to hire, train and pay raw materials to buy if they're in manufacturing. You know, they've got uh, uh, manufacturing processes that they have to figure out marketing to achieve. And don't forget the government regulators are on their back constantly too, with regard to taxes and compliance, plus a thousand of other little things that can go wrong, right? And I, I have to uh, include in that that group of uh, self-employed people, farmers, right? gotcha. which we love. But in all the chaos that is business, you know, there are two very important roles that I want Ben to really understand and really apply here. To, in order to maximize his success. And and you've all heard me say this before, I'm sure, but there's two rules. Rule number one is out of every dollar that uh, your business produces, Ben, part of it is yours to keep. And then secondly, rule number two, you must without fail pay yourself first. So Ben, if you fail to do this, you know you might find yourself 40 years from now down the road with little or nothing to show for it with all the toil and sacrifice you put in. And that would be sad. So you ask, well, Phil, how do you know all this? Well, I spent the first 20 years of my career hiring, training, and leading financial advisors. And if they were good enough to make it through the bill paying phase, you know, which is tough, right? Uh, I insisted that they put money away in their self-employment account or their IRA plan. You know, how in the world could they tell their clients to invest in their future if they weren't doing it for themselves? And it's very important to do this. And so I want to encourage Ben to do that. You know, I'll leave the dollar amount that Ben needs uh, to put away into his account to his own discretion, but share some uh, valuable advice from a, a guy named John Wesley, who was an English cleric back in the 17th century, basically preached a sermon called The Use of Money. But what he said in 1789, he said this, he said, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Mm. So if Ben or others want a specific or want to be able to, to kind of like tailor make a plan, uh, for their specific set, uh, situation, just uh, go to pathfinderchat.com and we can give them 15 minutes uh, uh, free consultation, no charge involved, no obligation, and maybe it'll get you set on the right path. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what uh, he meant when he says reinvesting too much money in the business means since we don't know what kind of business he has. Right, but, right. You know, it sounds like he, if that's the case, he may have some room for, you know, putting, setting some money aside for his uh, retirement, but if it starts with a business plan, have that business plan incorporate saving for retirement. I know for me, when I can write something down, it's, it becomes more concrete when it's in front of me and it's in writing. Right. That's exactly right. You know, it is a sad thing to see a lot of people that work all their lives in business. They try to sell the business, don't get very much out of it. And they're kind of right back where they started when they, uh, they were 20 years of age. It's yeah. really, you know, it can be a sad thing. So it's something you have to plan for. Exactly right, Barb. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. 
call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, uh, but I've got a question from Lenny next. He says, I found a great deal on a townhouse that I'd like to buy and turn into rental income. I want to pay cash for it, but that would require me taking out about 90000 for my IRA. Would that be a bad idea? Well, I'm not sure, Ben, which part of his question is is he's actually referring to. Is, is buying a townhouse to generate rental income a bad idea? Or is paying cash versus holding a mortgage a bad idea? Or is using the IRA to fund the project a bad idea? So there's different ways we could kind of explore this, this question. Uh, first of all, there's a lot to learn about real estate investing. Most of us have, uh, we've been educated through personal experience, which translated means we've lost some money <laughs> along the way, right? I would uh, first like to ask Lenny if he has some kind of a solid retirement plan, uh, like a 401k or a pension, uh, just as a backup in case the real estate approach doesn't work. Or if real estate is the largest holding that he might have, then he would be what we call under diversified, right? So remember that the one simple rule that we always have learned from a young age is don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Okay, it is kind of a dumb, worn out phrase, but it does still apply. So next, what about paying cash versus financing? And that's really a good question. People ask me all the time, should I finance this or should I pay it down? Most people are inclined to pay it down, you know, pay it all uh, up front. Yeah. You know, you may not like or appreciate the answer, uh, Lenny, but the greatest return in on your money is not by using your own cash, but OPM. Other people's uh, money. <laughs> other people's money. Yeah, other people's money. The most successful real estate investors out there understand the concept of lever leveraging. Uh, so for an example, let's say that, Benny, you plop down all $90,000 in the townhouse and after all your expenses are deducted, you have an annual net profit of $10,000. Well, that really amounts to 11% return on your $90,000, right? That's that's not bad. But let's say that you borrow 80% of that money, in other words, $72,000, and you only put 20% of your own money into it. That's $18,000. And let's say that after all your expenses, your profit is reduced to a mere $5,000. So you went from $10,000 to $5,000. Oh, is that something to really uh, uh, be sorry for? Well, let's take a look at it one time. If you make $5,000 on your $18,000 investment, that's a 28% rate of return. Right. 28% Barb, last yeah. time I know is better than the 11%. Right, yeah. So that's one of the things that you have to realize is that it might be more worthwhile to use OPM when it comes to investing in real estate. Lastly, um, taking money out of your IRA to finance the project. Is that a good idea? Could be. Could be, but I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's awful. <laughs> Why? Because you've got taxes to pay. You know, you have to take that money out of that IRA. You've got to pay taxes and possibly penalties as well. So consider doing this. And this is one of the, the, mm -hmm. the best kept secrets out there that people are not aware of is that you can buy real estate using your IRA account. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that. Now, the details of, of how to do that of both buying real estate using your IRA and also financing a deal using your IRA uh, can be covered. We can talk about that in a in a private conversation, of course. And so we would encourage you if you're thinking about uh, at the end of the day, uh, Lenny buying this real estate. You know, before you do it, before you pull the trigger and you take that money out of your IRA account, 
give us a call and uh, at pathfinderchat.com. Go online, pathfinderchat.com. We can give you 15 minutes of, of consultation free of charge. Yeah, I think uh, for the right person, you know, you, you know, you still, the good thing is you still maintain the tax deferral mm-hmm. with the property, you know, being owned by the IRA. Um, but like you said, Phil, make sure you're working with someone just familiar with these issues and uh, has done this before. Absolutely. With all but, the tax issues, I would think. Yeah, it's becoming, a, yep, it's becoming a very, very um, popular thing to to do this through an IRA account nowadays. And there's a couple of big companies out there that will back you up. They're big uh, trust companies. So give us a call if you have some uh, questions about it. Do you have a written retirement plan? If not, you're not alone. Many people put off planning for their future thinking they have plenty of time. But the truth is time flies and it's never too early to start planning for your retirement. Pathfinder Wealth Management can help. Their team of experts, including Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, who you hear on the show, can guide you through the planning process and save you valuable time. And with their commitment to education, you'll learn how to set yourself up for success. Book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting pathfinderchat.com. Don't procrastinate any longer. Your retirement is too important to leave to chance. Visit pathfinderchat.com or check the link in the description of today's show. All right, let's close out with a question from Amy to finish this out here. I've never been in a hurry to pay off debt. I've never paid extra on my mortgage, never paid cash for a car, and I use my home equity line fairly often for major purchases that I need to make. I know that debt is generally considered bad, but it seems to me that using debt has allowed me to save money for retirement that I wouldn't be able to have done otherwise. So am I missing something here? Well, Amy, I don't think you're missing something. Um, The fact that you have a mortgage and a car payment and maybe some home equity to pay off and you still managed to save for retirement, I think is a good thing. I agree with you on not giving up on saving for your retirement and staying mindful of that. As a matter of fact, we've just recently talked about the need for saving in a 401k plan in one of our recent podcasts. A home is good debt. Now, depending on your interest rate, low rates means it may make sense to continue paying your mortgage the way you've Mm -hmm. been doing. One thing I want to mention for you, Amy, is consider building up your emergency fund for purchases you're now using your home equity line for. You know, once you've paid off the home equity line, you can then use that money to continue to contribute to your retirement and an emergency fund. But I would stress an emergency fund because you want to have that built up for a few months of income just because, uh, again, then you can, you, you'd have that for uh, expenses that come up so you wouldn't have to use your equity line. We don't have specifics about Amy, but I would suggest meeting with um, or at least talking to a retirement planning specialist to make sure that you're on track. And we can certainly talk with you for 15 minutes if you wanted to reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com. This question comes up a lot. Uh, we talk to clients all the time and they ask us, well, gosh, Phil, should we, uh, should we pay off our mortgage? Yes. And they might be in the later stages of the mortgage where they're paying principal down. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay principal down, right? And even with the two, or those with very- Yeah, because they're not being charged interest at that point. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of depends on the environment you're in. So if we're in a low interest rate environment, it may make sense to uh, continue to finance. So there's something called arbitrage that could work in your favor. And what that means is that if you're paying, let's say a two and a half, three 3%, 4% interest rate on your mortgage or your car or whatever else you're financing, but you're making greater than that in the market. The difference is called arbitrage. It's a pocket. It's it's money in your pocket right. at that point. So, but it doesn't always work that way. Uh, we're in an environment right now where you, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go out there and uh, not pay off a mortgage if you're if you're going to be financing a mortgage at six seven percent, whatever right. the 
you know, there's it's it's really high right now. So really, it uh, it depends on what kind of an interest rate environment we're in. All right. Great question to close things out. We appreciate that. Amy, Lenny, Ben, and Dan, thanks for your questions today. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. We try, we'll try to feature them on the show, but or you're also welcome to just talk with Barbara and Phil directly. You can go to pathfinderchat.com, schedule a meeting right there, pathfinderchat.com. All right, very good. Well, Phil, we're glad that you are, are all safe from the farm and uh, some good news there. Thank and, you. And Barbara, I hope <laughs> yes, you have a good week you. as well, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. All right, Ben. Take care. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.